The Gregorian calendar has flipped over again. It's the first day of another new year. And honestly, not for a moment too soon. I, for one, am very happy to see the back of 2022. It took a lot, gave very little in return. How about you? <laughs> now, depending on what you did last night, what time you got to bed this morning, you mightn't be in all that of a reflective mood, possibly more regretful than reflective. Still on the first day of a new year, you've managed to make it to church. Well done. Welcome to 2023. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, Salt Church. It's strange how the 1st of January brings about a change of mindset for us, isn't it? How a change of date brings a renewed sense of hope and optimism, a refocusing of our priorities, a recommitment to our commitments, a reconsideration of where we are, a re-evaluation of where we're heading. Resolutions to make, to lose weight, to eat healthier, to eat unhealthier, to exercise more, to read the Bible in a year, to spend less money and to spend more time with family. And usually it's a combination or any variation thereof. If you've got something different, please let me know. Of course, resolutions only get you so far. Willpower only helps us do so much. The best of our intentions usually meet up with our bad habits. Old habits die hard, they say, but resolutions only live for a few weeks. Which is why we have 12-month gym memberships that don't go beyond February. <laughs> why Genesis is the most read book in the Bible. Kudos for getting past Leviticus. And why we end up spending more money and less time with family. But it wouldn't be a new year, it wouldn't be a New Year's Day at church if we didn't take time to take stock, if we didn't do some reflecting, if we didn't make some plans for the year ahead, if we didn't pause to consider our next steps, especially when it comes to being disciples. What are your next steps with God? What are your next steps in growing as a follower of Christ? At Salt Church, we don't simply believe in magic. Spiritual formation is intentional. It's never accidental. It's not like if I just keep coming to church, if I just turn up week after week, if I read past Genesis in my Bible, if I just belong to a growth group, that magically one day after 30 years of Sundays, that I'll suddenly wake up and be Mother Teresa. <laughs> that I'll be like Jesus and start speaking King James English. That's not how it works, friends. That's not how God works in us. Salvation is not by works. Salvation is always by faith. But sanctification, being changed to become more like Jesus, requires effort and permission. Transformation requires intention and sustained effort. And so as a church, at Salt Church, we're committed to the process of growing mature and equipped disciples by growing as mature and equipped disciples ourselves. Psalm 127 is a song about next steps. It's about the next step in the journey. It's about the progression of our faith, seeing life from God's sovereign perspective. For the pilgrims who are heading up to Jerusalem, their next step is always an intentional one. These are the songs of the returning exiles, songs of the people who've lost everything. They are orphan songs, abandoned children, they left as strangers and headed to a strange land. But now they're returning to Jerusalem from their captivity and exile, and they're heading home again. Psalms 120 to 134 are called the songs of ascents. They are pilgrim songs for realignment. 
a collection of songs within the Bible, song collection, the book that we call the Psalms. These are songs for the journey. They are the Spotify playlist for the road trip home. They are songs about going places. They are songs that are going places. Songs to sing when travelling to Jerusalem, climbing up the stairs to the temple. Songs in a sense, literally, going songs for going up. Friends, this is ancient Hebrew elevator music. <laughs> Generations of God's people sang them too, returning to celebrate the festivals in Jerusalem, realigning their hearts, refocusing their priorities, recommitting their lives, renewing their journey. Jesus would have sung these songs. Jesus would have sung Psalm 127. Psalm 127 is a wisdom psalm, and it's the only one that's attributed to Solomon. Can you see that there? All the other names of this, all the other psalms of ascent are either attributed to an unnamed person or to David. And it's a wisdom psalm, Psalm 127. Because, not because it's written by Solomon, the wise guy, but because it provides instructions for us on the application of living out our faith. A faith that grows under God's sovereignty. A trust that knows that God is always in control. See it with me, won't you? Psalm 127, verse 1. <coughs> Pardon me. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Although not asking any specific questions of us, Psalm 127 makes us ask a question. And the question is this. What's the point? Well, there is no point. It's pointless. There's no point at all. Useless, wasted, worthless, futile. It's all in vain. They might as well build shacks. They might as well take a nap. If the Lord doesn't build it, if the Lord doesn't watch over it, then it's all set for imminent destruction, all destined to become ruined. All comes to nothing, serves no purpose. Our English versions say, unless, unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord watches. But really, verse 1 is a conditional clause, meaning it's an if-then sentence. If not this, then this. If the Lord does not build a house, then the labour, then they labour in vain building it. If the Lord does not watch over the city, then vainly watchmen watch. The question of Psalm 127 wants us to answer is, what's the point? And the answer is, there is none. No point if God's not in it. No point if God's not over it. No point if God's not involved in it. No point if God's not present at it. Ain't no point if it's not for God. No point if God is not with us. It's all in vain without him. It's useless in his absence. Solomon specifically mentions, can you see it there, the house and the city. Unless the Lord builds a house, unless the Lord watches over the city. Now, we could take Psalm 127 just on face value, apply the principle to ourselves, no point to it if God's not in it, and we wouldn't be far off the mark. But the word house in the Old Testament, particularly in connection with Solomon, has load-bearing themes running through it. House is a foundational construct to the covenant. The Hebrew word for house is by it. By it. Learning Hebrew vocabulary at Moore College, my memory hook was, if you see a house... Buy it. <laughs> but of course that doesn't work with Gold Coast real estate prices. 
and it didn't help with my more college Hebrew exam either. Still, the word by it can refer to family dwellings or whole households or the whole people of God as in the house of Israel. It can refer to ruling dynasties as in the house of David and even to the temple in Jerusalem itself as in the house of the Lord. David wanted to build God a house by which David meant a temple. God promised David to build... God promised David he would build him a house instead by which God means a dynasty. Here God's promises to David 2 Samuel 7 verse 12. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you and you shall come who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. God will build David's house, a dynasty. David's son will build God's house, the temple. Solomon, the son of David, built the temple. Solomon, David's son, built God's house in Jerusalem. And so the city in Psalm 127 is not just the temple, but also the city itself, the city of David. The house and the city, friends, are Jerusalem. Jerusalem and the Jerusalem temple. So unless the Lord watches over his temple, unless the Lord watches over his city, then it's all for nothing. It's empty, it's vain, it's pointless, useless. If God's not in it, what's the point? Well, there is none. Verse 3, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. There's a New Year's Day verse for you, friends. Getting up early, going to bed late, what's the point? You might be saying saying that to yourself now, of course, but if God's not involved in what we're doing, if God's not engaged in our activity, if God's not involved in our lives, it's all pointless and it only produces anxiety anyway. We lose sleep worrying about things that we can't control and toss and turn and lie awake at night worrying about outcomes. But see it there, God gives sleep to those that he loves. Because he watches over them. They can rest in him. And if God is not in it, well, that was the exile, wasn't it? In the exile, God abandoned the temple. God deserted the city of Jerusalem. The house of Israel was condemned. The house of God destroyed. The house of David divided. The people of God left as plunder, taken as souvenirs by the Babylonian captains. But now that people are returning home, They're returning from exile. These are the songs of ascents. They're on their way back to Jerusalem to rebuild not just the temple and the city, but to rebuild their lives, to realign their hearts, to renew their commitments, to repent and to recommit themselves to God, to the Lord who commits himself to them. And so, friends, it's now January 1 here in Jerusalem. Time to start again, time to start anew, time to begin afresh. But God needs to be in it. God needs to be with us. Otherwise, what's the point? You know, many scholars think Psalm 127 is a little bit like a patchwork quilt. At some point, someone decided to sew verses 1 and 2 to the left under bits of verses 3 and 5. How does this psalm fit together? 
How do we make sense of this psalm as a whole? <coughs> well, I could just preach on verses 1 and 2 and apply it to church. We can have all the programs and events that we like. We can have multiple activities and ministry outreach options. But unless the Lord builds a house, build his labour in vain. Great churches can be built, crowds can be gathered, books can be written, evangelism can be conducted, significance will be sought. But if these things lack God's favour, then they'll just prove transient and ephemeral. We measure success in such ways, don't we? We compare ourselves in competition to others. Numbers, attendance, stats, figures, giving. Is this the foundation on which God's house is built? Is this how we build as his labours? You can just imagine the returning exiles using the words of Psalm 127 to correct one another. After they congratulated one another on their successful journey, swelling with pride in their own accomplishments, trading stories about their travel experiences, making comparisons with one another, who made the longest pilgrimage, who made the fastest pilgrimage, who bought the most neighbours, who's come the most times, only for someone else to strike up the tune unless the Lord builds a house. The exiles are returning to ruins, friends. They are making their way up to Jerusalem as they sing to the temple that was totally destroyed, to a city that was completely decimated. Because God wasn't in it. God wasn't watching over it. And while they return to rebuild and reconstruct, their investment shouldn't be in their buildings. God never wanted a house. He never asked David to build him a temple. Instead, God's promises are always tied to his people. Don't return to reconstruct the infrastructure. Start building your families and rebuilding the nation. Build people. Rebuild the house of Israel. Fill the house of God with the sons of Israel because God's promises to his children has always been to have more children. Verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. From watchmen who watch in vain to sleepless eyes from anxiety, the psalmist now says, behold. Which means look. What's he telling you to look at? Well, God's keeping his promises. You see, the word heritage also means inheritance. Multiplication of family is part of the promises of God. God promised inheritance to his people. And his promise is that there will be more people. Sons are a sign of God's blessing. That's what God promised. God promised Abraham sons, as many as the stars in the sky, as countless as the sand on the shore. See it there? Verse 5. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemy in the gate. The exiles return. They're covered in shame. The city and the temple is in ruins. But Israel will not be put to shame by her enemies because God fulfills his covenant promises. God's promise to David is a son. One who will build the temple and rule forever as king. Making his way back to Jerusalem, climbing the stairs of the temple, friends, Jesus would have sung Psalm 127. But Jesus had come to destroy the temple. Only to rebuild it again three days later. Jesus is the temple, says John's Gospel. His body raised after three days. 
The word became flesh, says John, and he came and he pitched his tent amongst us. God with us. In Jesus, God returns from exile. He comes to dwell with his sons. And there outside the city of Jerusalem, nailed upon the cross of a foreign captor, the son of David is crowned as king. Jesus declared as king of the Jews. God keeps his promises. He keeps his covenant, friends. You can sleep at night. Sons are an inheritance from the Lord, and Jesus is the Son of God. The Psalms of the Songs of the Steps are about taking intentional next steps in the journey. So the question is, what are your next steps with God? What next step do you need to take towards being a follower of Christ? What are you going to do to further your growth? Because discipleship never stops. Come with me, one to one John chapter two, verse twenty-eight. Words are here behind me. And now, little children, abide in me, so that when he appears, sorry, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. John tells us to abide in Jesus. We are to remain in him. We can sleep at night with anxiety, confident because we know that he will appear. Jesus covered in all of our shame on the cross. He defeated all our enemies. We don't need to be ashamed of him because Jesus covers us now in the Father's love. Look there, John chapter 1, John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we shall know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. The word see in 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 is also the word behold. And so behold, friends, here's what I want you to see. Behold, sons are an inheritance from the Lord. Psalm 127 verse 3. See, God now makes us his children. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. We are the children who fill his quiver. God is our father. We are his children. And what we're now becoming will be like him. We will see him as he is. And so our growth and maturity needs to be intentional. It doesn't just happen to us. It won't happen overnight. It just won't happen. God wants to have more children. And so what's your next step as a disciple? What step do you need to take to become more like Jesus? Is it to do Christianity Explored with us? Is it to do our startup course this year? Is it time to put down some roots here and become a, a member? Maybe you want to join a growth group this year. Maybe you want to develop yourself as a ministry leader. Maybe you want to become more spiritually mature. 
Maybe you want to better understand what God's called you to do, what your contribution is to his kingdom, what kind of legacy it is that you're going to leave behind. Because at Salt Church, we grow mature and equipped disciples by growing as mature and equipped disciples ourselves. Otherwise, what's the point? Spiritual formation doesn't just happen to us. It doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen just by showing up and singing a couple of songs. And it certainly doesn't happen if we don't show up at all. What we do know is that we will be like his. And so what's your next step? What's your next step going to be? What steps are you going to take to grow as a mature and equipped disciple in 2023? Happy New Year, everybody. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that with each and every step that the Lord Jesus took towards Jerusalem, that he did it with intentionality and obedience, that he knew that he was headed for death, that he knew he'd be betrayed, that he'd been denied and rejected, that he'd be mocked and flogged and killed, and yet resolutely he set his nose towards Jerusalem and headed towards it. We pray, Father, as we face down 2023, that we too might step with intentionality and obedience, not knowing what lies before us, but knowing that you go before us. Would you help us to walk in faith, Lord Jesus, to take the next step towards Christ's likeness, to take the step in growing to becoming mature and equipped as your disciples. And that's our prayer this year, Lord Jesus, that we would grow, not just in numbers and in tenderness, but that we would grow as your disciples, that we would become more like Jesus and that by our lives others would be attracted to the gospel, that the way that we live would see more people come to know you, that they too might become part of our family, part of our community here at Salt, and that you'd be pleased to use us to grow your kingdom in this part of the Gold Coast. So help us, we pray, Lord Jesus, today to be reflective to think long and hard about what our next step needs to be and to tell somebody else about it so that we might grow together to become more like him so that when he appears, 